0: Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9, I'd like to speak to you this morning on this theme of an admonition for suffering saints, an admonition for suffering saints. The context of this scripture speaks of that. If you look at verse 7 above it, it says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. In verse number 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while. So, in the midst of this casting our care and suffering a while, sandwiched in between the middle of that is oh, by the way, uh, you have an adversary. And I pray that God will help us in this. Heavenly Father, I really need your help, as I do every time we open the Bible. In my flesh, I have nothing to give. So, Lord, I pray that you would empty me of any self or any flesh, and fill me with your spirit, hide me behind the cross. And, Lord, in the in, in simple, simple man, Lord, that is before these people, Lord, we speak of you, a powerful God. So, please... Speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no doubt to me that we have an adversary. Obviously, God's word speaks of this adversary clearly. Secondly, I believe we have an adversary because we can see him at work everywhere. I was driving down Glen Air, leaving our subdivision where we lived this morning, and there were beer cans strewn along the road from Saturday night, no no doubt. I'm not saying that's the only way that Satan is working, but you have an adversary who is working everywhere. The Bible plainly says that he exists. I I heard this when I was younger. The devil and me, we don't agree. I hate him and he hates me. lions how many of you have ever seen a lion before and not a BC lion <laughs> okay maybe even at the zoo that counts lions peter refers to the to the devil as a roaring lion we had some roaring kids that were working their way around the auditorium this morning i don't think they were trying to be lions i think they were trying to be dinosaurs but they were roaring The lion will attack a sick, a young, or a straggling animal first. They will choose their victims who are alone or not alert. The Apostle Peter challenges you and me to watch out for Satan. And in this context, we are he is saying when we are suffering and or persecuted, and when that happens many times, we uh, will feel alone. We will feel weak. Sometimes we'll even get to the place where we feel as if we are cut off from other believers. This is not the case, unless we choose to do that, because we are never alone. We obviously have the comforter, as we sang about over and over again, but I mean, you're, you're, I, I know we have a group over here and we have a group over here, but all you have to do is look around you and you are sitting amongst other believers today. But the lie of the enemy is for us to think that way, that we are alone. We are feeling cut off from other believers. And our focus many times will not be on the Savior. Our focus will be on us. And I will say it this way as well, that our focus will not be on our enemy. Now, we're not to focus on the enemy, but we can't ignore him. And That's what he said, to be sober and be vigilant. We'll talk about those words in a minute. Actually, we'll talk about them right now. (laughs) To be sober means to be clear-minded. How much do you have on your mind this morning? You say, Pastor, you don't even want to know. Okay. Well, I realize we're all got a lot going on. But we want to make sure that we don't have so much on our mind that we are not sober, spiritually speaking. To be clear-minded, to be vigilant means to be watchful, to be watchful. These are the words that Peter gives us, that it is time for me, it is time for you, it is time for us, in a renewed way possibly, to have a clear mind and be watchful, to be sober and to be vigilant. The word discernment is something of great value for the Christian. And we need to have that. We need to ask God for wisdom and discernment to make sure that we're not letting anything into our life that would be of Satan. You say, Pastor, I would never do that. You don't realize, and I don't even realize sometimes, how subtle he is. And how He will work His way into your life and my life in the most amazing ways that we never thought He would. We kind of touched on one last week. We're not going back to preach that again, but that is one. Now, if I'm going to, So I'm talking about discernment. Discernment is important so that I can know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of my enemy. What does this mean? It means I need discernment so that I can distinguish between truth and error. Truth and error. Let's look at John 8.44 please. I was given a new Bible by my sister and her family for my my birthday this summer. I haven't used it yet. I'm using it this morning. Praise God for, for the Word of God. And I should have opened it a lot sooner because the font is amazing. It's perfect for my eyes. It's much bigger. So I may not go back, you know. It's a, yeah. So anyway, I can see these words a lot better. John eight forty four. 44, that helps you to be discerning, you know, to be able to see what you're reading, right? John eight forty four. 44, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. Why did Satan abide not in the truth? The next statement, because there is no truth in him. Zero. We'll talk more about that. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So, we have an enemy. We have a real enemy. Now, here's something about our enemy. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Satan's goal is not only to speak what is false, but Satan's goal is to hide what is true. That's two different things. He wants to hide what is true, and he wants to speak what is false. This is his goal every day in your life and mine. Now, if you're saved and on your way to heaven, praise the Lord, you are secure in the hand of God. Satan cannot get you from the Father's hand. Okay? Praise the Lord. But Satan can still speak error into your life and into my life. This is why we need to understand our enemy. We need to understand that he's trying to hide truth and speak error. Look what it says, please, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse number 4. Is this thing making a bunch of noise for Okay. So let's just turn that off. I know it's distracting me, so it must be distracting everybody. I'll try to stay home. In whom the God of this world... Thank you, Brother Kevin, Brother Jose. ...hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Hide what is true... Speak what is false. That's our enemy. So, when do we see him speaking in our Bible? Let's take a look at that quickly, all right? Let's go first to the very first book of the Bible and the book of Genesis and chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to see three times in the Bible where Satan speaks. And I don't believe, as, I, as I'm sure you don't believe this either, that it was just put there because. <laughs> you know, nothing is put here just because. Right? It's for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. In righteousness. Now the serpent was more subtle, Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, all right, here he is. He's going to speak now. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You see that question mark? It wasn't a statement, it was a question. And here he is, number one the first place we see Satan speaking is Satan tried to criticize God before man. He tried to criticize God before man. Let's keep reading. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it. Let's pause right there. God never said that. If you go back to Genesis 2.17, hold your finger quickly and go back to Genesis 2.17. Now remember, who is Eve in the presence of right now? (laughs) Yeah, the liar, Satan, form of a serpent. And what does he have in him? No truth. What doesn't he have in him? He doesn't have any truth in him. It doesn't take long for Eve to forget what God really said. Genesis 2:17. Well, let's read 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So he never said anything about touching it. I find this interesting though, I don't really, I don't really, I haven't really, I don't really want to just think only about this because I don't know if it helps at all, but maybe it would help us to think about it more. I don't know. But that was to Adam. Genesis 2.17 was to Adam. Eve's not even around yet. So what does that tell us? <laughs> Adam, Adam, Adam. <laughs> Romans 5.12. Hello. Wherefore, as by one woman, sin entered into the world. That's not what it says. So Adam received the delivered, the, was given the message from God. And obviously, Eve would have only known what God delivered from who? From Adam. So, anyway, it would appear that Adam didn't get it right. Because now Eve is saying to Satan, we aren't even allowed to touch it. Well, that's not what God said to Adam. Okay. And the serpent said unto the woman, verse 4, back to Genesis 3, 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, you know, let me just pause right here. This is why when you read the Bible, don't read it so fast. And ask God to show you things that you missed last time when you read Genesis 3. You know, typically we're reading Genesis 3 on January 1st or 2nd. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But if you read the Bible through, you know, like that. Not necessarily all the time. But I'm saying that sometimes, oh, here we go, creation. Okay, six days. Okay, seventh day he rested. Okay, here comes comes the serpent. da 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 Sometimes these familiar passages, there's still things tucked in there that the Holy Spirit is wanting to open up. To us. And what's Satan do, though? He hides truth, speaks error. I, I'm, I'm convinced that Satan is trying to hide things that he knows are in this book, even when we're reading the Bible. Because we could be thinking about, we got to go over here and do this, we got to go over here and do that, we got to go up there and do that, and we're reading the Bible, and we're think. that's why I said, uh, or not I said, the Bible said to be sober, clear-minded, because even when we're reading the most powerful book ever, Satan would love us to be thinking about something else so that we miss what God has for us. And the serpent said, you shall not surely die. Ye shall not surely die, verse 4. So Satan discredits God to Eve. He's taking God, and he's bringing God down in the mind, in the heart of Eve. He is placing doubt. Don't miss that. He's placing doubt on what God has said. This is what he'll do for you, to you. This is what he'll do to me. Satan is always trying to put suspicion on truth. But remember, he has nothing to do with truth. At all. So Satan discredits God to eat. Also, what did Satan do? Satan lied about God. Verse 4, ye shall not surely die. Liar, liar. (laughs) God said they would die. If they eat of the fruit, they're going to die. He was not referring immediately to, you know, uh, capital punishment, you know, take a bike, dead. He was referring to their soul. The Bible says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You came into this world a sinner, not by choice, but by birth. Later you would become, and I would become, a sinner by choice, because it's our nature. We cannot help but do that. We don't have to have a lesson on how to sin, it comes naturally. But we got to have a lot of lessons on how to live because it's supernatural of how to live. And so Satan lies about God. He continues to lie about God today. Many paths will lead into God's presence. That's a lie of Satan. If you do any outreach at all, you will eventually hear someone say, you have your way they have their way, and I have my way, and all the ways are great. Or something like that. That's not the truth. That's a lie of Satan. Why are there religions all over the world? Because Satan is a, what did we say? He, blo- he hides the truth, and he speaks error. That's why there's all religions. Because that's Satan's goal. Hide truth, speak error. And honestly, I know that sometimes that's a difficult individual to have a conversation with. But what I try to do, and it's not me at all, I just try to let him know, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't have a way. I mean, you could, you could quote scripture if you wanted, but I, you know, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of destruction or death. I don't know if that... Anyway. But that's the lie. So, number one, he tried to criticize God before man. That was the first place we see Job. We, sorry, I guess that tells you where we're going next. Where we see Satan speaking. Now let's go to Job 2. He criticized God before man. Now we see in Job that Satan tries to criticize man before God. In Job chapter 2 and verse 4, And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Put forth now thine hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee. To thy face. This is after Satan has already taken everything away from Job. One thing after another, Satan has taken away with the permission of God. And now Satan is discred- trying to discredit a man by the name of Job. Satan is coming to God and he is saying, again, he is the the hider of truth. He is the speaker of error. He is coming to God and saying that Job is only following you because Job has everything you could ever imagine wanting or needing. He's only following you because he's got wealth. He's got possessions. He's got everything that he could need and so that's why he's serving you now again remember first Peter 5 let's not get too far past that because that's our launching point that in the middle of casting all your care upon him and in the middle of a suffering and in verse 10 there is the there are the two verses that God uh, in his in his omniscience put in the middle of that that said hey You got an enemy. You've got an enemy. And you've got to be sober. You've got to be clear minded. Church in 2023, can I just challenge us? Whatever you've got to do, first thing is get to God for help in this, clear your mind. Satan would love to fill your mind up and my mind up with things that don't really matter much so that when he comes, our minds aren't clear enough. And then, be vigilant, be sober, be vigilant, be aware, be on guard. So, God hears Satan say that Job is only serving you because Job has... It, good, Satan is saying that Job is only serving you because you've given him all of this. Satan lied about Job. Look, it says, And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Put forth now thine hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will, what? Curse thee to thy face and the Lord said unto Satan behold he is in thine hand but save his life and then we find that Job's suffering continues he has boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown that's his head you know a lot of times we say you know I I feel like Job (laughs) well I know what you mean and I've probably said it before too but I don't think we know what that feels like. I'm not trying to correct you, but maybe we ought to think about that before we say it so quickly. This guy just lost everything. His wife lost everything, too. She's gone through it all. Now he's got boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Sitting in ashes. Look at verse. Verse 10, but he said unto her, his wife, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God? This is a powerful question. It's a powerful question that we ought to consider today, because a lot of times we get into this place that we think. Why is God allowing this? And Job said, what? Shall we not receive good at the hand of God, but also evil? In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? When everything is going right, Job says, we got it from God. But when everything is going wrong, we can't just all of a sudden say, what happened to God? Because God is still there. God in his sovereignty allowed Job to have everything. And then God in his sovereignty allowed Job to have nothing. And then also to have boils. God allowed that. And here we are, literally, Thousands and thousands and thousands of years later. And we're speaking about Job today in this uh, beautiful auditorium. We're speaking to, uh, about Job and the, the God of Job though. The God of Job is the same God that Job had that if he wants to, he can give you or give me boils from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and he can take everything away from me and I must not listen to the devil's lie who say, you're living in sin. Look what God is doing to you. For the Bible says that he, on all this, he never sinned one time in this situation. That's the lie of the devil. Because you are going through a challenging time. Yes, we are all sinners. We already covered that a moment ago. Yes, we all do deserve to go to hell. But it doesn't mean that if we're going through what we might perceive to be something like Job. It doesn't mean that, that God has abandoned us. It doesn't mean that God has taken a nap and he's, you know he doesn't know what's going on. He's sovereign if we have all the bills paid. He's sovereign if we're in the hospital. He's sovereign if we don't have cancer. He's sovereign if we do have cancer. He's sovereign if we have a beautiful auditorium. He's sovereign if we're meeting in the upstairs of this building. And by the way, he's good. Satan would say, what are you doing wrong? That's what Satan would say to us. You know, possibly God does chastise us. That's in the New Testament. I'm not taking that away. But remember, Satan hides the truth and speaks error. Satan lied about man. He said Job would curse God. He didn't do it. So he tried to criticize Satan man before God. Let's go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. Thirdly, so three times, I got to pick up the pace. Thirdly, Satan tries to make our Lord Jesus contradict himself I mean you know I don't really want to give Satan any credit at all but that was pretty dumb but I mean you know he's going down with a fight I'm still not giving him any credit but I'm glad we have this recorded for us in the scripture because it's there for our admonition. Matthew 4, 1, then when Jesus, don't miss any word, I don't have time to pause in all of this today, but then when Jesus led up of the spirit, then was Jesus, excuse me, led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Notice, he was led there by the spirit. When Jesus came, he laid aside Some of his attributes, okay, we must continue. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, all right, he's going to speak again. If thou be the son of God. Yeah, there you go. Speaking error. There's no if. Command these stones Be made bread. Now, remember, he laid aside some of his attributes. He also took on some attributes. One of those, physical attributes, one of those was hunger. Forty days and forty nights, and now he's tempted with, turn the stone into bread. And we just think, well, that's Jesus. I mean, he can just, you know, he can just take care of it. Yeah, but it's Jesus who is the God-man, whose stomach is growling, who's hungry. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, Satan is trying to get our Savior to move away from his word and mock himself. Satan's goal for your life and my life as a Christian is to put thoughts in my mind that will cause me to move away from the word of God. Don't miss that. Satan's goal in my life as a Christian, in your life as a Christian, is to put thoughts in our mind to move us away from the word of God. That's his goal. He was trying to get Jesus to move away from his own word that was written in the book of Deuteronomy, right? In the beginning was the word, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. For Jesus to do anything but say that, he would have been moving away from his own word. That's what Satan's objective for you to do is to do today. I went to church, so we read a lot of Bible verses, and so... Great, I'll be back in the Bible on Wednesday night or tonight or whatever. No, 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 no. We must stay close to the word of God. Satan will hide truth and speak error. He wants thoughts in my mind that will cause me to move away from the word of God. This, my friends, will destroy me. It will destroy you. Satan loves confusion. Even within Christianity, there's so many things. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not immune to it, okay? I don't want to be confused. I want to understand what God is really trying to tell me in this book. But I need the Holy Spirit of God to guide me. Let's go to First Corinthians 14. We're, we're getting close to the next part. <laughs> I'm so thankful for the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14.33, here we go. Look at this. For God is not the author of confusion. So if God is not the author of confusion, we know who is. but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God is not the author of confusion. Satan will do his best to convince us, and I was getting on this earlier, that, that we are terrible, that we are worthless, that we are sinful, that we are wretched men and women, that God doesn't love us, that we're not worthy of salvation, not worthy of heaven. Yes, these things are true, but once we come to Christ, that's not true. We are worthy of heaven because it's not our righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness. We are worthy of speaking on him, on his behalf, because it's not our words. We're ambassadors for Christ. It's not us. It's Christ in us. Again, Satan is the accuser as well. Go with me quickly to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Verse 10. Thank you for listening and paying attention to, the, to God's word. It is the book that changes our lives. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is salvation come and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down. Notice this. This is what's happening right now. Because this is prophetical. So not being cast down. I I just kind of, I got ahead of myself. So this is what is going to happen. The accuser of the brethren is going to be cast down. But notice what the end of the verse said, which accused. So that's past tense, which is actually right now. Which accused them. Who? Who's them? The brethren, the saints. Before our God. Day and night. So this is saying, John is saying that in in, in this prophetical time, the accuser of the brethren is going to be cast down, who was accusing the saints, the brethren, before God day and night. So that's actually right now. So he is the accuser. Thank God we have at the right hand of God. Who do we have at the right hand of God? We have the Lord Jesus, he is our mediator. And he steps in and says, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're right. Ben Turner, he's he's a sinner. But if you'll remember, my blood is right here. I don't know how it happens. Use your Bible imagination a little bit there. But we see that he is there. The Savior, Jesus, is not in my heart. The Holy Spirit is in me. Jesus is at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. And and he's he's our lawyer, if you will, as the accuser is coming in and saying, the prosecuting attorney, Satan, is coming in and saying, this, this, I got all this evidence. And every time Jesus said of of the believer, it's paid in full. Paid in full? (laughs) I mean, can't get any better than that. He is the accuser. Satan will use... Satan will use scripture against us to cause confusion. God said you would die. Satan said you will not surely die. Satan told a half-truth, that's to Eve. Satan told a half-truth, and half-truths always cause confusion. So he's trying to cause confusion in our life. Secondly, he's trying to cause impatience. Impatience. Jesus... Matthew 4, so we're kind of going back and forth here. Satan tempted the Savior to call on angelic protection. We didn't read that part. God provides angelic protection, yes, but never for show. God's not into the show. Patience is a great virtue. Jesus could have said that and it would have happened but then he would have gone against his own word. And he would have listened to the Satan who speaks error and hides truth. So he's trying to cause us to have confusion. He's trying to cause us to have impatience. And then thirdly, he's trying to cause doubt. Doubt. Two times Satan said to Jesus, if thou be the Son of God. Satan wants you to doubt everything, everything. Salvation, your purpose, your identity, your provision, your security, your future. He is the king of doubt. I'm going to give you this. I was going to stop, but I think I need to give you this quickly. I hope it's not overload here. So let's think back to the let's think back to the first text of Satan speaking in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve are married, the first marriage God ever performed. Satan beguiled Eve during a moment when she was separated from Adam. Does not miss it? Adam's not there, as far as we know. You see, Satan's goal in our difficulty, remember our theme today is admonition or counsel, advice for those that are going through a difficult or a challenging time. The goal of the enemy is to separate us first from God. He's trying to separate us from God, not in a sense of losing our salvation, but losing fellowship. Not reading his word, not having that time of prayer, separation. He's trying to separate us from from okay, oh, Satan seeks to separate us from our strength, our strength. And our strength is in the Lord. Our strength could be not solely obviously in God first and foremost, but we also can gain strength from our spouse. As we walk with the Lord together, uh, Satan seeks to separate us from from a a Bible-preaching church. Separate. Because when you're separated from all of these areas of strength, now, God is the only perfect strength. The rest of these are prone to not perfect, being perfect, because we have a bunch of sinners saved by grace here today. Praise the Lord for that. I'm just saying that, Satan seeks to separate, Eve was by herself. He seeks to separate us from the pastor, uh, from the scriptures, from service, whatever it may be. Secondly, Satan distorted what God had commanded. He distorted what God had commanded. This is miscommunication. Miscommunication. God, I wanna understand your word. I don't want to understand it how I see it. I want to understand it how you wrote it. Thirdly, he turned the eyes of Adam and Eve upon the natural desire, which was prohibited. They had every tree, but he turned their eyes to one. This is worldliness. This is worldliness. Our natural desire. Again, we said it earlier. What is our natural desire? To sin. Fourthly, he destroyed their relationship with God. All of a sudden, one bite, boom. We don't have any clothes on. We've got to go hide. God's coming tomorrow. We've got to hide. Disobedience. This is what Satan is trying to do in your life, in my life, every day. One by one, separate you from your strength, miscommunication of the word of God, living a worldly life, disobedience. And then what happened? Number five, Satan got them kicked out of their home. If you read through the first few chapters of the book of Genesis, they are escorted out of the Garden of Eden. What happens? This is considered loss. Great loss. And Satan clapping his hands all the way not just in this instance but in your life and mine when these five things happen we can know that we are on our way to being devoured let's go back to our text first peter five Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he's not just roaring and walking around with no plan. He has a plan. Separate you from what? Your strength. Separate me from my strength miscommunication from the word of God. In other words, I'm not seeing it how God wants me to see it. I'm, I'm misinterpreting it or whatever it may be. Worldliness, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm doing what the flesh wants to do. I'm being disobedient and then I suffer loss. These are the things that Satan is after in our life. Seeking whom he may devour. So what do we do? Number one, confess and forsake all known sin. Confess and forsake all known sin. Number two, ask God to reveal any sin we're not aware of. It's amazing what God reveals when we ask him. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Three, get back into the scriptures 4 obey all commands revealed in scripture. Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. John 1:12 But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Children obey your parents. I don't live under my parents' roof anymore, but I still have a father, not just an earthly one, a heavenly one. So I need to obey my father. Obey all commands in Scripture. And then fifthly, humbly accept the trial, challenge, difficulty that you're in as a gift from God. Satan. Hides truth. Satan speaks lies. He has no truth in him. And yet today, we have all the truth we need right here. By the way, there is no other truth outside of, there's no more truth being written, okay? So we add to this, we take away from this, not a good thing. That's what Satan wants us to do. So I'm greatly encouraged that we have, a, we have an answer for Satan's lies. It's always the truth, the truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth.